0: Andre coming in here week one of our new sports podcast with my boy. What's up, everybody?
1: It's me, Waskar Castro. I want to welcome you all to Off the Wall Sports. Here at Off the Wall, just some young cats trying to give a fresh take on sports matters today. And uh, something we're about is real sports talk.
0: Less BS. We're going to jump right in here, week five NFL, with some key matchups we saw around the league. Green Bay Packers, St. Louis Rams. What did you see, Wascar?
1: I saw Aaron Rodgers come back down to earth and still win, which shows that the Packers are a complete team in the NFL. Because last year, two years ago, could we say that? Absolutely not. That team solely hinged on Aaron Rodgers. Yes, and frankly, I what I appreciated probably most was they didn't even have to hitch their wagon to Eddie Lacy because he didn't have a great game either. So that defense is starting to look like a competent defense. One that... My Packers fans have heard plenty about when I tell them, you know, they say they're going to win Super Bowl, but, you know, you got to have a defense. And, you know, Mike McCarthy's, I think he's hearing that message. I'm, I'm giving him a lot of credit. I give Don Cabers a ton of credit. They're starting to play some football.
0: I think the defense won them the game. Absolutely. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers is under siege all day. Eddie Lacey only had 27 rushing yards. Actually, Aaron Rodgers was their leading rusher with 38. You know, it wasn't a pretty game by any offense. You know, it was a struggle defensively for both teams. It was sacks, turnovers. You know, the score was 24-10, but I think the game was a lot closer than that, too, though.
1: And frankly, you know, winning those ugly games is kind of what defines a championship team. Yes,
0: exactly. You know,
1: know, winning those games that don't look good, that, you know, the press doesn't want to talk about, that might not have a lot of Sports Center top-10 plays. I mean, I think the biggest highlights of that game was what you saw in Montgomery's pass, you know, he got he got in the end zone. And then after that, like it was just shocking. What was it like? They then there's like what his first interception since I believe two thousand twelve. So that was like the big thing for Aaron Rodgers to throw that pick. And then after that, I mean it was just picks it was just Pick City. Because honestly, you can't blame the Rams defense. They did everything they could to win the game. So if there's anyone I'm not blaming, it's the St. Louis Rams.
0: They forced Aaron Rodgers to two Interceptions at home.
1: They got pressure. They created turnovers. They stopped the run. They stopped the run. They did,
0: mm, Randall Cobb had like five catches for like thirty
1: yards. They did what you want them to do. If I'm gonna, I mean, you only, and and it's not Todd Gurley's fault.
0: No. Todd Gurley's here. So who else fault could it be then? Nick Foles. It's Nick Foles.
1: Nick Foles and Nick Foles played bad. Frankly, yeah. he, he didn't, you know, see his progressions, didn't make the right play, you know. It, it, I believe what a couple weeks ago maybe we're saying. Philadelphia might have got the, the shit end of that deal, yeah. you know, sending Sam Bradford there. But now Sam Bradford's starting to look okay.
0: Yeah, and Nick Foles is looking more and more worse every game.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: I'm going go to go down some statistics right now. Foles and Rodgers each threw the ball 30 times, 30 attempts this game. Rodgers had 100 more yards, double the touchdowns, and half the interceptions so going against a better defense at that, you know just did he didn't come to perform And count. you know,
1: Aaron Rodgers came to win. He did what he had to do to win a game. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you can be the best quarterback out there. You're not always gonna have 300, 350 yards, three plus touchdowns. You know, you gotta come down to earth and you gotta win these games. And you gotta you gotta depend on your defense. And you should be able to depend on your defense. You got you gotta win games in this league. And frankly, outside of Green Bay, you know, we're seeing really good football out of New England and Arizona, and they're both playing great football on both sides of the ball. And I think Green Bay's realizing they had to do that as well.
0: And it was actually kind of refreshing to see them do it. They don't have a lot of big name players on that defense, you know, besides Clay Matthews, Julius Pepper, who else will a casual fan know? Yeah. Not many people. You know,
1: BJ Raj, you see a State Farm commercial or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> I, I got to give Clay Matthews his credit. You know, I think he was starting to lose a little steam after a while. And then you move a middle linebacker, and, you know, I think last year, and I thought, you know, it's just a gimmick. You know, at first I thought it was, but frankly, he's learning how he is able. He's already a great pass rusher, so moving him to the middle makes him the best pass rushing middle linebacker in the league by far because by far. he has he has pass rush moves. He's he's played from the outside, so he creates pressure from different angles, and he still goes outside. So he's really a scary player to
0: deal with. And that boy could drop in the coverage. Yeah, absolutely. I saw him get that interception the week before, man. I didn't know, yeah, hips like that.
1: Absolutely. Let's um well that was definitely a great game and I think we are gonna hear a lot about both teams. Both teams still have some high points. You know, Saint Louis is looking good with Todd Gurley. You know, it's a Jeff Fisher team. They yeah. play defense and they run the ball. Yeah. And if they ever get some quarterback help, because I saw a Jeff Fisher team, the best Jeff Fisher team, what I think we can talk about is those Titans that had Aaron McNair. You know? Yeah, so you know there, so having having that Rest in, in peace. it shows that you have a great quarterback or a good quarterback. You know, you're able to do something. Let's move on from this game and then let's go into another game. Let's talk about the New England Patriots. Coming off their bye week, so you know <laughs> honestly, I was I, I wouldn't want to play them off their bye week because they're probably antsy and they're ready to play. So I did not want to be the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think the Dallas Cowboys want to be the Dallas no. Cowboys. Um, they lost. They, they lost. <laughs> wow, I mean, that's an understatement, correct?
0: Yeah, it was a rout. Yeah, ass kicking.
1: I mean, what? Uh, any any way you put it.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, to be expected. To be fair, Cowboys are missing their quarterback, star receiver, you know. Just getting some key pieces back on defense, but you at least want to show up. And, and
1: I mean? Greg, Greg, Greg Hardy came to play.
0: Yeah, he did. He, came, he had two sacks. Yeah, and Greg, his first game. M- in, Greg over Hardy here.
1: definitely came to play. Um, you know, he tried to give some life to that defense because, yeah. frankly, that defense needed to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and rallied
0: them up, too, because they came to play the first quarter.
1: Yeah, that defense needs to show up and play better than their expectations, given that they have those injuries on the other side of the ball. You know, it, it sucks that more is expected of them, but. You know, quarterbacks have more expected them all the time. Now yeah. it's time for that defense's unit to step up because, you know, Dez might start coming in, but, you know, we still haven't seen anyone making real moves to getting
0: back on the field yet as far as Des and Tony and, Romo go. And, you know, good defenses do that, but I don't know if this is...
1: No, okay. it, it looks like they might thrive off of, you know, it's one of those teams just, like I said, just a well-balanced team. You know, they play yeah. good when the offense plays good. And, frankly, like, right now they're slipping. And yeah. Brandon Whedon's getting benched. You see Matt Castle going to step up because Brandon Whedon is just not getting the job done. Yeah, we
0: knew that, though. Cleveland knew that. I yeah. Don't know Jason, you know, Jason yeah, Garrett frankly. didn't
1: know that. Yeah. and But, you know, you can blame them all they want. That doesn't make the Patriots any less the defending champs. Who have just been just flat out dominating this whole season? I'm gonna
0: be honest. Five weeks in, they look kind of godly. You know, I thought we would see maybe a step back. They lose uh, Darrell Revis, Brown and Browner, Tom Brady. You know, had this whole quarter deal, and they just look better. You, you know, know,
1: Gronk had Gronk had a down. Gronk didn't have. Well, he he had an okay game as far as tight end. You you do what he does he's happy. Yeah. you're just so used to Gronk being Gronk. Yeah. but let's talk about how good Julian Edelman
0: is. Oh my gosh! <laughs>
1: I think that's what i says right. I mean. Who, who's running routes like that?
0: No one. No, no, one. no one's running routes can't like that. I not think someone ever, the route to you runs on a consistent basis, he's just, I mean, obviously it doesn't hurt having Tom Brady throw to you, but this man is underrated. He's
1: definitely reminding us of Wes Welker. When, like, the first year he was in New England. Yeah. I think the, he's more
0: explosive than Wes Welker. Yeah, he
1: might be a little stronger than Wes Welker. Yeah. I think is what I see. And that's, a little you know, feisty, that too. That comes from Edelman. You know, he came up as a quarterback, you know, and a running quarterback at that. Yeah. So he, he, he's used to taking, taking contact and embracing contact. Yeah. And, you know, he's clearly one of the best receivers in the game right
0: now. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. I think, I think if Gronk is the piece that keeps the machine running... Elman's not too far behind him.
1: And how about running backs? How about you know, LeGarrette Blount is starting to play again. Oh, they and got. He, and you know, and he's rolling thunder. and rolling. Yeah, and then you know, I think, you know, we expect LeGarrette Blunt to come in and do work. And frankly, we know he's capable of being doing a lot more. He was great in Tampa Bay. He was, you know, he was poopy in Pittsburgh. His time's there, and then he came to New England. He comes back to New England and does great work. Mm-hmm. Um, Deion Lewis is playing great. There's no I, I, doubt about it.
0: And who saw that coming? Be honest, because as an Eagles fan, we had Deion Lewis and him coming to the Patriots. I did not expect this. Yeah. I didn't expect
1: it. I mean, me neither. Who, who is Deion Lewis? But And then again, you know, I got to give credit, credit to credit's due. That might be what makes Belichick Belichick, being able to see that in a player. And, you know, I, I can sort of see that in Seattle, too, when you're looking at Thomas Rawls. And, you know, we'll get that out in a second. But definitely, I think... New England is scary on both sides of the ball.
0: We didn't even talk about the defense.
1: Yeah, we didn't even talk about the defense. And all I have to say, for me, all I have to say is Jamie Collins. Uh, I I think that's scary. It's a freak of nature, you know, playing that linebacker position and being able to rush the quarterback, being able to stuff the run.
0: Moving at that size. You ever seen this man run?
1: Yeah, I, I think, like, we talk about this a lot. I say... The only guy who can really cover Gronk is on Gronk's team.
0: Yeah, so you never have to worry (laughs) about it.
1: So you never have to worry about having to see that in real game coverage. And Jabal Sheard is doing a lot of work as well. That acquisition, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, you knew what happened.
0: Yeah, if you knew football, you knew Jabal Sheard going to the Patriots at that price tag was going to be steal of the free agency.
1: I, Jabal Sheard is a beast. He was a beast in Cleveland. This mm-hmm. is not mm-hmm. none of this is surprising. He's a big man with length that can move.
0: It, he can stop the run. He can rush the passer. He plays like you want. Some long
1: guys player. are a little on on, on the thin side, mm-hmm. and <laughs> Jabal Sheard is not that. He has length and he has legit size. He's a he's a beast.
0: He's has four sacks through the year already. Definitely,
1: so you got to look out four for that. And... I, I That's something excited to see. Uh, let's go on to the next game. What else are we gonna talk about? We're gonna
0: Dre? Talk about the Bengals Seahawks. And th- I looking at the week, I thought it was gonna be the best game. Did not disappoint.
1: I don't, not at all. No. Great game.
0: This was gonna be the test. Looking at, it, I said, if the Bengals are the team that they're portraying to be kind of what they do each and every year, they're going to have to beat the Seahawks to prove to me, and they did exactly that. You know, I have to give them props at the end of this game.
1: Andy Dalton is trying to change everybody's perception about him game by game. And frankly, there are some people who are still not going to say anything or change their perception until after the playoffs start. But for the time being, he's doing everything in his power, like taking the team on his shoulders and coming back.
0: No, they're down by 17 in the second half in fourth quarter. And that's just impressive, what he did against the Seahawks' defense.
1: The man's balling right now. Yes, no. The man's balling. Tyler Eifert's balling.
0: Oh, man, he killed Cam Chancellor. Two touchdowns he got over Cam Chancellor. Chancellor I not mean the screen if you watch the highlights. Let's
1: be honest. They got some, they got some players that were injured last year, and now they're healthy. Exactly. Right? We got Tyler Eifert on one side of the ball.
0: Named the big man on the defensive line.
1: Oh, Geno Atkins? Geno Atkins. Geno Atkins is a beast. The fact that he's coming back and doing work. That whole D-line. Dominique Pico, I feel like he's been there forever. But he's still a force. Carlos Dunlap is Carlos Dunlap. We already know that's going to happen.
0: Leads the league in sacks. Yeah. You know. uh, that... Pac, how they can get Pacman Jones at this age to still, you know, be a number one cornerback? Damn near. You know he's a
1: he he's he went to a problem child to being a veteran that really inspires that defense. He's
0: like a savvy veteran out yeah. there. You see him. Yeah. He's like, like hyping up the team. He's making plays when they need can him. Imagine
1: him? how good he'd be if he just like play if he just didn't get in trouble. And was yeah. Um, Think about how many more plays he made if he wasn't suspended.
0: Yeah. Coming out yeah. of West Virginia, he was the man. Clearly, a lot of people remember that. Yeah.
1: Clearly a talented, very talented individual player. Yes.
0: That defense, they're missing. Let's be honest, they're missing Vontez Burfitt too. Yeah, exactly. They're gonna get better. They're
1: missing Vonte's: one of the still best still front stoppers. Great. So we're seeing what's good with Cincinnati. So I guess that means that there's something wrong with the other team.
0: Yeah, most, the thing I was impressed with most during that game, Andy Dalton picking his shots. Whoever Kerry Williams of the Seahawks was covering, that's <laughs> where he was going. Yeah, they matched Adrian Green on Kerry Williams. Adrian Green went off for 70 yards first half okay they put Sherman on AJ Green so he just goes at whoever carry Wim's where going wherever it's Marvin Jones Tyler Eifert Mohammed Sanu Andy Dalton's picking his shots like a veteran he is
1: you know after the Seahawks Lions game even myself included you know Carrie Williams is playing some smart football he right was. Now. And like, you know, he's he's you know, he's learning his role. Maybe, yeah. Maybe maybe Pete Carroll can, you know, just put a body somewhere and put in a system and he's gonna be good. He's shown that he's done that. You know, yeah. you know, look at you guys look Michael Bennett was undrafted.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and look at him yeah. now. And Michael Bennett's an amazing football yeah. player. Um, and then Carrie Williams was just picked on. I mean, I guess Hugh Jackson must have no respect for that man no
0: time. he dogged him <laughs> he used to
1: be like you see that guy like you know Hugh Jackson you know how honest he is. you see that guy I don't want to see him I want you to just dog him no matter what and that, that's what happened it was, yeah. he was picked on the whole
0: game. yeah that was just I'm
1: and then what else do we have here
0: so let's go into I'm going to ask you your top five defensive players you've seen so far this year
1: Af- so far throughout the season this season okay my top five defensive players. We're gonna rank, in no particular order. I'm gonna put in J J Watt for sure. I'm gonna put in Aaron Donald for sure. I'm gonna put in Desmond Trufant for sure. After that, oh, I mean, it, I said no particular order, so this man I hear right here might be my number one. Is gonna be Von Miller,
0: okay, for I'm sure. A big just fan.
1: I'm, a, I'm a big Von. I'm not even a Broncos fan. I'm frankly just a fan of football, and yeah, maybe. I a highlight reel of him making an amazing move to the quarterback and just making the perfect play on a ball. Oh, After uh, that, that's that's just that's the best sack fumble I if think. If you haven't
0: it. seen it yet, go watch the strip sack on Derek Carr. That's
1: that's how that's how you get a sack fumble. How he
0: beats the tackle. Just, nah, oh, just give me that,
1: give me that. And then, um, yeah, Bobby Wagner. Just because I'm always I'm always very impressed with Seattle defense. I'm always very impressed with Seattle linebackers because I think that. As offense progressed in the NFL, uh, the defense had to catch up, and that Pete Carroll came in and did made that catch up. And so you had Gus Bradley start that defense, then you had Ken Norton run it. And frankly, um, as much as the Legion Doom gets credit, so does Bobby Wagner. You know, both levels that back we talk about. I talk about that back seven. So you had nice. the back four, but I'm talking about that back seven. And Bobby Wagner leads that middle of the field. The biggest portion of the field.
0: The linebackers in Seattle are asked to do a lot. Yeah. People don't give them enough credit. They're yeah. asked to cover, stop the run, sideline the sideline. They're asked to do a lot in Seattle.
1: And, and Bobby Wagner is doing that work right now. What mm-hmm. about you? What's your top five?
0: Top five. I'm going to go top five offensive players I've seen so far this season. Might ruffle some feathers here. I'm going to go number one, Tom Brady. Because just he's Tom Brady and what he's doing with okay. that offense. Most definitely. Number two. Rob Gronkowski, same team. The what he does in the passing game, and more underrated feature, the way he does in the running game. He paves the way for so many goal line touchdowns. If you just watch any goal line touchdown of New England Patriots, Rob Gronkowski. He has the build for it, so it's lean. good to know that he's
1: working on that side of the ball as well.
0: Exactly. Number three might surprise some people. DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. I saw him Thursday night one on one against Vontae Davis. Every time he killed Vontae Davis. And if you don't know, Vontae Davis is one of the best cornerbacks in the league.
1: Definitely, most definitely. Absolutely.
0: Physical, in your face cornerback. And DeAndre Hopkins cooked him, killed him, ate him up every single time.
1: Great route runner with speed.
0: Yes. Physical, smart player, crafty veteran, knows how to run the right routes. Imagine if he had a quarterback. Number four, I'm going to go Le'Veon Bell. He's only played three games so far, but this man, he just, he is the offense, you know. Ben Roethlisberger goes down. They bring in Michael Vick. You know, he's a veteran, but, you know, it's Michael Vick. Offense runs through. I've seen how many times that we see, first down, second down, third down, just hand it off to Le'Veon Bell. They got that win last night in Great San play. Diego. Great player. Le'Veon Bell is Absolutely. one of the most complete backs of all time.
1: Absolutely. I think right now we can already talk about him being one of those backs in the game. And, and I already I can kind of see... Adrian Peterson handing off the baton. Yes. I think, yeah, Yeah. figuratively, that is. But um, I just think you have to do it. And I think as far as other running backs go, you want to talk about other guys. You want to talk about Eddie Lacy. You want to talk about this and that. That's fine. I understand. But Le'Veon Bell is so physical and so fast. And he has that thing that those great running backs have is the vision to go along with that. And the patience. Yeah, and the patience. So if you have the vision, the patience, and the build, Imagine if Emma Smith had the build along with the vision, the patience, he he already has, you know, the, the rushing record. But he would have that much more.
0: He would, you know, he would it'd be untouchable rushing. He record.
1: has the vision, the patience, and that build. He had, he's in that, you know, Eric Dickerson, Walter Payton, Jim Le'Veon Bell is that good? He's and then Adrian Peterson, Jamal, but Danny now, Tomlinson, yes, LT, and now Le'Veon Bell. Nice. I'm 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 putting him in that class right now. You can tell him what you want. I, there's no denying. Just a phenomenal football player.
0: Hit me up on Twitter and give us your feedback on that one. I want to hear what people say hear on this. that one. We hear this so, for my sure. fifth offense player, Julio Jones. No Julio doubt. Jones, the man child at receiver, was on fire to start the year. He cooled off a little bit, but he's still. The reason why you guys won't surprise Devontae Freeman is getting all these yards and touchdowns because Julio Jones. They can't staff the box. The safeties have to play up high. Julio Jones. Any, every running back would go off for 150 yards if the safeties have to play 15, 10 yards deep they hope, have to. Because Julio Jones. I
1: hope Devonte Freeman is getting Julio Jones one of those, one of those like little things, those level boards that you you, you like segway So that the handles thing that all the, like rovers or has. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know. I hope he got him, like, three of those or something.
0: Yeah, I need know. to take that man out for you dinner. You know, take Mark him Clark. out to
1: Ben dinner. I don't know. If he likes Gucci belts, get him a Gucci belt. Oh, he looks like he might like Gucci yeah, belts. Yeah, he like a Louis V backpack. I don't know. Let, let, let the man live a little. Like, you yeah. owe him something, man. You. Because right now, Devontae Freeman is looking amazing. And Tevin Coleman's going to have to work to get his starting spot Leonard back. Leonard
0: Higginson looks like a good receiver out there because of him.
1: And that's not the line. And that's... Matt Ryan's a very good quarterback. What's not Matt Ryan? And, you know... Uh, you know, that, that team, is Dan Quinn is making that team play a lot better. But I wouldn't say it's Dan Quinn. I, I, I would say it's Julio Jones just commanding attention from the whole field. Exactly. And it's making other players better. And, you know, right now, Devontae Freeman is playing very well. And I'm very happy for him. Uh, and frankly, it's because he's playing off of Julio Jones.
0: So that's our NFL segment. Let me know what you think. Who are your teams that are rising and two of your teams you think are going to fall? Let us know your top five offensive players, your defensive players. Hit us up on Twitter. Yo, what's the jail, baby. I see you. All
1: right. Yeah.
0: You're still not a player, but you're still a hater. hater. Where my horns at? Where my horns? That's right. Baby. Welcome back. We're here about to talk about some college football looking on the horizon. We got some great games going on this weekend. We
1: got a big battle in the Big Ten. I'm talking Michigan versus Michigan State.
0: We got Stanford versus UCLA. Big battle in the Pac-12. We got LSU number ranked number six versus Florida, Florida ranked number eight.
1: And let's go in detail with that one because, you know, there's got a lot of storylines there. Florida's not going to be with their starting quarterback due to suspension, due to PED usage, so they're going to have to adjust. But as much as we can go into the game, you know, here at Off the Wall Sports, we like to go in-depth. And we're going to, you know, we, we do spotlights here. Spotlights. The spotlights. So we're going to give a spotlight on an individual. And, you know, LSU's a great team. You know, they always have a great defense. They always have, you know, just, they always have great speed, And, you know, they always have Les Miles, who I think very highly of. I'd probably put him in my top three coaches in college football. But right now, that team's best player, and frankly, college football's best player, is Leonard Fournette. This guy is a monster. This guy has size. This guy has speed. This guy plays with good vision. You know, we were just talking about Le'Veon Bell in the last segment. You know, he's bigger than Le'Veon Bell. probably
0: faster than Le'Veon Bell. Probably faster than Le'Veon Bell. He's probably meaner than Le'Veon, probably Bell. Than Le'Veon Bell. Probably meaner than Le'Veon, probably Bell. Mean Le'Veon Bell with that mean beard. It's a nice beard.
1: A nice beard, but it's mean. Nice and mean. It's an oxymoron beard. But, you know, right now, there's some
0: great running backs in college football. There's so many. This is perfect time to be a running back in college football.
1: You know, it's sad to see Nick Chubb go down because he was one of those great running backs. And, you know, you got Devontae Booker at Utah, and you have Derrick Henry in Alabama. You have Brian Marshall in Oregon. You have Ezekiel Elliott at Ohio State. So you have a lot of guys who play quality football who are some great, great running backs. We see that the running back position is not going anywhere anytime soon. Frankly, um, you need a running back, and you got to get a running game. No matter what, um, and college coaches realize that, NFL coaches realize that. It's definitely a, a good position to highlight, and you know we thought it was going away, and it's not. Um, as far as Heisman talk going in, you know it's about that time we start talking about it, and frankly, there's no reason to say Leonard Furness not leading in that conversation.
0: I think it's two feet in for the Heisman Trophy. When you go back and look at the past Heisman Trophy winners. You know, Mark Ingram was the last running back that was a Heisman Trophy winner in two thousand nine. Uh Reggie Bush had oh five but he you know he had to he gave his away. He gave his back. So Leonard Fournette would be the first we're gonna have a running back this year, the first Heisman Trophy run running back since two thousand
1: nine. Yeah, most definitely you see the quarterbacks aren't playing at that high level, Jared Goff was playing um at a high level but then he you know He yeah, had the disastrous distras- game against yeah, Utah. Against Utah, which uh you know, Devontae Booker like we were talking about as part of that team making that offense hum. And you know, speaking of Utah, uh, let's transition to them a little bit. little bit. They have a big game against Arizona State. Um, you know, they just came off a big win against Cal. Um, they're they're a great team. They're one of the best teams in college ball right now.
0: A great football team. One of my Favorite teams to watch in NFL, college, any sports. One of my favorite things to watch is Utah right now. Yeah,
1: Kyle Whittingham has put together quite a squad. And they've come in the Pac-12. And, you know, sometimes a team comes in a div- comes in a new conference and, you know, kind of like tiptoes in there. No, they've played quality football even when they were outside of that conference. And they're playing quality football inside a major power conference. And they look like the best team in the Pac-12 by far.
0: By far. They run the ball. They stop the run. uh, Play bend and break pass defense. It's all you can ask for for a college team, and that's what you want.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. They they have size at that D line. You know, um, Utah. BYU there's that connection that those, those schools have a bit of a plug <laughs> to as far as recruiting base from Samoan and Tongan players and so they've, they've, they've had the luxury of having that and you know that gives you size on the line and there's they're definitely utilizing that you know the Kimahuda brothers went to Utah and you know so definitely they're building uh, they're building more they have a pipeline of depth at line play and at defensive line play and so when you stop the run like you, like Andre said before, you make teams one-dimensional.
0: You make them one-dimensional. You make them pass the ball, and eventually, if you know they're gonna pass the ball, you're gonna get you an interception. You are going to get a tip pass. You know, you're gonna force them to play what you want them to do.
1: Yeah, you know they're playing physical football. They're playing football the right way. Um, you know, if I was a college coach, I wouldn't want to play Utah. I think Utah is one of those teams that you play and. Win or lose, you're glad that game's over,
0: yeah, you feel it afterwards, guarantee you go into next week still think about playing Utah
1: yeah, but you know you gave me interesting fact uh regarding the Utah and Arizona State game. How have they fared well against Sun Devils?
0: they've lost their last eleven games to Arizona State, and they're playing them this Saturday. Utah's on the hot streak for me, this is let me see what you're really made of.
1: Yeah, this is a, this is a trap game in college. This is, you know, Kyle Whittingham said all the right things. You know, when your team's doing hot and we're not expected to, you get a lot more attention than you thought. So it's really on their players, their squad, to block everything out. And that's frankly what they're doing. And hopefully they practice what they preach and they're about what they say. And they're able to keep their heads on straight and play quality football against Arizona State. Because, you know, at this level... Everyone's here to play. Everyone has talent, so you can't take a day off. You can't take a snap off. You know, all it takes is one play, and that could be six.
0: It's not a coincidence when you lose 11 straight games to one team. They're doing something right against you. Rather, they counteract what you do. The coach outcoaches you. So is it gonna be a real test for Utah?
1: And it's Arizona State. I'm not talking about a perennial power. Not that it's not a quality squad. You know, they've had some very good players in the past, but um, and they've had they're going to have good players in the future. Um, but it's one of those teams that might just have your number. It's an so old miss Alabama sort of situation. Exactly. Um, and so it's definitely something we're gonna look forward to. And I'm excited to see that game, and I'm excited to see plenty of college football. When we come back Uh, We're going to change gears a little bit. We're going to stick with college, but we're going to switch over uh, to college basketball. And specifically, I'm going to give my take on a major scandal in college basketball. Yet again, something happened uh, regarding NCAA violations, and it's going to be focused on Southern Methodist University and Larry Brown.
0: Spoken. I am overwhelmingly disappointed for our players and
1: the SMU community uh, that the NCAA has decided to punish them like as a that? result of the unfortunate actions of one staff member
0: provided like a inappropriate help to one of our players.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, This segment, you might hear Andre give a take about something. You might hear give me a take, hear myself give a take about something. And tonight, I'm going to give a take regarding Southern Methodist University, regarding Larry Brown, one of the best coaches, to play to coach the game he was a great player as well and um recently SMU got hit with some major major NCAA violations due to primarily um a staff member of the coaching staff who encouraged Keith Frazier to enroll in an online course from then the work in that online course was being done by that staff member um making him guilty of academic fraud, which is why Keith Frazier missed the second half of the season. This led to, although Larry Brown wasn't directly responsible, uh, negligence of things going on and having a lack of control. And I think if we all know Larry Brown, he seems to usually have a good amount of control of his team aside from coaching Allen Iverson. Um, And... um, you know, they got some really, really harsh penalties. They're going to they're gonna not allow to play in postseason basketball uh, this upcoming year. They've lost a lot of scholarships and recruiting. This is, um, this is a baby death penalty. This is definitely, you know, not as bad as their football one, but that, that, that basketball team is going to take a major step back, and obviously they're not even going to be allowed to play in the postseason. And I, I don't know. It's just it's, it's tough. It's yeah. tough for me to, to swallow
0: you feel other schools, you know, do the same thing? And
1: that's the thing. That's why it's tough for me to swallow because SMU is guilty. And, frankly, um, I understand that they've done wrong. But, you know, North Carolina is being under under investigation right now while Rashard McCants, who was part of that, Rashard McCants, Raymond Felton, Sean May squad back in North Carolina, um, kind of a lot of academic violations as well. Guys were being enrolled in classes that weren't even really classes or just kind of these gimme things. A lot of tools being made to make players academically eligible. Um, it's, really, it, it's really hard for me to see this. You know, if there's throughout the investigation, North Carolina should get some major penalties as well. And then maybe it won't be a sub to swallow because it's seen to be played fair across the field. Then, then I don't mind. But SMU is a small school. And SMU's been scrutinized, you know, since the 80s. And granted, they've done wrong, but, you know, so have other institutions and so have other programs.
0: But this is not Larry Brown's first time being in trouble, right?
1: No, no. He's been in trouble at UCLA. He's been in trouble at Kansas. But, you know, how much ESPN coverage is given to John Calipari? <laughs> and, and, you know, John Calipari is a great coach. I'm not taking anything away from the man, um, But... You know, he's gotten a lot of trouble at UMass, and he's gotten a lot of trouble at Memphis. Um, Derrick Rose, his SAT scores weren't up to par, um, but he was still let in because, you know, people do a lot to win. And my issue is solely with the NCAA. If you're going to create all these violations, you think there's a solution to the problem, there is a solution to the problem. There's a lot of kids that don't want to be in college that are forced to be in college because they have to get a year done before they go to the NBA. That's just the rules, according to the NBA. So maybe the NCAA is suffering the most. College basketball is suffering the most because you know, you're know you having one and done. You're not getting Tim Duncans anymore. Now you're getting Derek Rose's and Kevin Durant's, And uh, that has a change. You know You either let kids go to high school straight out of high school into the NBA, or you make them stay for two, three, four years. You can't have a compromise. You can't compromise. You got to go one way or the other. The one and done seemed like a compromise between both sides, and it's failed college basketball, and it's, it's you know, kind of failed the NBA a little bit because some players are a tad less developed. You know, staying in school more is going to allow you to develop as a player, you know, can you imagine if Derek Rose stayed four years? I, I bet, you know, he might have had more technicality to his game. Maybe that jump shot would have already been refined and he didn't have to wait for like years of being, years off for him to refine that game. So we definitely have something there that we got to think about. Um, it's unfortunate that something like this has to bring this to light. And, you know, I, I don't see it as solely. You know, me wagging my finger at SMU or saying "shame on you" to Larry Brown, because Larry Brown's a great coach, and Larry Brown really connects with players, and Larry Brown really knows the game of basketball and teaches a proper way of basketball. Um, to see that, and to see a guy like that's reputation, kind of he get dragged through the mud a bit, and it sucks to see. And definitely, like I say, he did do wrong, but look at Bob Hunkins in West Virginia and what he did at Cincinnati. Um, look at obviously Jerry Tarkanian and UNLV, but look at those UNLV squads. You know, look at the Fab Five was riddled with controversy, but the Fab Five is a Fab Five. You know, um, college sports is ugly because money's involved. Because money's involved, it starts anything's fair game because there's more money to be made. Once television contracts started being in there, once uh, endorsement deals started being in there. You know, it's just a slippery slope, and you just got to regulate it more. And that's what the NCAA is trying to do, but it's also got to be regulated efficiently and regulated properly. So they got to kind of do their homework on the proper policies to take place and maybe think that through. And, you know, the NBA needs to take a step in and kind of realize how their policies of minimum requirements affect other basketball institutions. So um, that's my take I want to give. I love basketball. I love love sports in general. So when a story like this is here, uh, I definitely want to let my voice be heard on how I feel about this. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm Oscar Castro. It's Andre Bass. And that's our show for today. If you have any feedback, please Feel free to find us on Twitter. I'm an at Wascar09, and before, let me say my name is very difficult to spell. It's <laughs> at H-U-A-S-C-A-R-O-9. O as in zero, excuse me. H U A S 9
0: And I'm at, I'm at Dre DreDay650, 650, D-R-E-D-A-Y-650. 650. Let me say one more thing. Where else are you going to find a podcast where someone speaks wholeheartedly from the heart about a passion they have? We're keeping it real with you. Coming with that flavor. Check it out.
1: Damn. See y'all later. Oh, I'm a thoughtist, mate. Don't stop. Go I'm gonna make it back. Don't stop. Go pay. I'm a to Don't stop. Go I'm gonna make it back. Don't stop. Go crazy. Only that real shit That's what I'm talking about. Only that real shit. That's what I'm talking about, only that real shit That's what I'm talking about, only that real shit That's what I'm talking about, yeah, yeah. Found blue my blue, M.I.A., you can hang on this baby, but you cannot stay Bitches love a nigga, you would think I'm Trey I told her to throw it back for